Welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. I'm Justin, and today we have something a bit different as I am joined by past Sam and past Caleb. We've got uh, one more interlude episode here before we go on to our next book, uh, and we wanted to take a look back at uh, our first-time readers as they attempted to predict what was going to happen in these books. For Beth and I, this was one of the most fun parts of the podcast, uh, and we got to see some uh, fairly spectacular successes as well as some amusing misses. Uh, so we've gone through and we've compiled a roughly chronological uh, listing of some of our favorites of our predictions, uh, and you can go ahead and have these a listen. Um, okay, so... Now is the time where you all get to experience what I call Attack on Titan Brain, um, which is the feeling of, I'm just going to let my brain go wild with theories, and I'm going to warn you, most of them are probably going to be wrong based on my prior experience. But um, I love lore, I love analyzing lore, and I love just taking wild stabs. Um, all right. All right. I also have two more things. Um which which I will categorize in uh, as probably won't happen, but would be interesting. Um, if you abbreviate that, it's booby, or you can just call it WBI. Would be interesting. So my booby. Um, if number one, uh, it'd probably be interesting, or won't happen, but would be interesting if Yedin died or was caught before the operation was set in motion. Um, all right, so my first big one um, that I am I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty confident in. Uh, Lord Renault is a fully grown mistrace. I feel like I can just shout it out. I think that uh, the Lord Ruler is Rashik. Mm? What I do think is going to happen is the Pool of Light is the place where the Lord Ruler got his powers initially, and that's like what allowed him to become the big champion hero person. And I think he's got a stash of that still in the shed. Um, I think, you know, thinking about why is this building inside of another building, I am theorizing that Luthadel was actually built entirely around um, this little thing, whatever it is. I'm guessing it's the Pool of Light, and I'm guessing that gives it his powers, but I think um, the foundation of the city itself has to do with whatever's in that little tiny building. Okay, next theory has absolutely nothing to do with what happened in this chapter, aside from the stakes are being raised. I love Travis Willingham so much, I think Ham is going to die at some point. Um, I don't know if it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be this book, or if it's going to be in later in this little trilogy. And then my last prediction, uh, Shan's a Mistborn. Um, she's going to hear about Vin being a traitor, which I think she already suspects. Um, she's going to try to kill Vin uh, as she's leaving a ball, and they're going to fight, and Vin's going to kill her. Um, if Adium lets you see the future, then perhaps the Ninth Metal lets you see the past in some way and access the, the memories of the past. I don't think it's going to happen because it seems like um, we already kind of have an in-plot uh, like whole group of characters that is focused on thinking about the past, learning about the past, knowing about the past. Um, and I also don't know how helpful it would be for the Ninth Metal to be able to see the past. Moving on, we do have, as was mentioned, um, uh, the discussion of um, 
or the mention that Lord Renault is a Kandra, I believe is the word. Man, I went so all in on the mystery theory, and I'm really hoping I'm still not wrong, and that Kandra is just a term referred to like a fully grown mist wraith who is able to to mimic um, others. And my thoughts are, one, I don't want to be wrong, because I don't like being wrong. Ham even has the own, his own replacement character already set up now with Lord Demo. Like, it's... I feel like writing's on the wall at this point. I, I, I'm, I am sad that Ham is going to die a horrible, painful, tormenting death, um, and will act as essentially... Uh, a martyr for the rest of the soldiers is now my main guess um, and I think Kelsier is basically Kelsier's not going to be the one to kill him but Kelsier is definitely in on the fact that Ham is about to get essentially sacrificed Ham said like 10 words this whole section yeah and n- not a lot of them screamed to me oh this guy's going to live forever All right. it sure does seem like the Lord Ruler's slap was more than just pewter um, for it to destroy half of Kelsier's face, uh, I feel like it's it, it lends credence to my Ferukumi plus Alamancy for Lord Ruler. Um, so we'll see if that's true. You know, uh, we still don't. This is the first time we've seen him in action, and there's tons of mystery around there. So I mentioned Attack on Titan Brain. So. Examining Kelsier's death, there's five things that may have happened. One, Vin's not good at checking pulses and Kelsier's secretly alive. That would be kind of silly. Uh, Two, Vin did check for a pulse well, but Kelsier found a mysterious way to hide or stop his pulse so that he appears to be dead, a la BBC Sherlock. I don't like that theory because it reminds me of BBC Sherlock. Three, he already ate the 11th medal, and it has some form of resurrection juice in it. I also think that would be a little bit of a cop-out. Fourth thing that could have happened, Kelsier is actually dead, and his role in the narrative is just pretty much done. I think that wouldn't be silly necessarily, but I think that would be upsetting because I think there's more for this character to do. So, with all that being said, so, theory number five. Kelsier is dead. He is actually fully dead. However, I think the one person who was in on the plan and in on Kelsier's secret plan um, was not Doxin, not Sezed. I think Renault, or the Kandra, was in on the plan. Because I think the plan is, I'll be Renault for as long as I need to, but then once the plan calls for it, Renault will just... I don't think there was, the plan was necessarily to die publicly, but it's like Renault will just not have to be part of the equation anymore. Kelsier's plan was to die publicly, saying, I can't be killed, and then die. And now the Kandra is going to gobble up Kelsier and take on his body. And presumably, from what we've seen of how Renault operates, will take on his thoughts, his feelings, his body, all of that. So we have kind of a quasi-zombie Kelsier. And that would allow, after dying in a very public fashion, Kelsier, quote-unquote, to show up to a bunch of Ska and say, look, I can't be killed. I came back. I'm okay. We can still do this. If the government falls apart, I will sleep easy knowing it was all Ellen's fault. In specific, the reason why the people maybe don't know about all the medals yet is because it is not yet possible for them to create some of these medals. Um, that's what I believe. 
um, for instance, uh, we can talk about historically aluminum. Um, aluminum was not really a thing uh, before you could, so you had uh, duralumin, which is like this weird hybrid material, but not pure aluminum. And uh, then later on, you could actually make pure aluminum, and now there's aluminum. But uh, yeah, didn't always have that. And I, yeah, I guess based on that conversation, yeah, I will just go ahead and put that theory on the board that whatever is paired up with metal, uh, with, with gold, will allow you to um, see your own future. Probably not in as like a super convenient plot device way as it sounds like it would, but still in a way that could potentially be useful. Let me see. So the second Chandra, the the spooky Chandra, uh, I'm going to say probably is Tensoon, uh, Straff's personal Chandra person. Obviously, my heart, as again, he's one of my favorite characters, but just based on previous experience, my heart wants it to be Ham. Um, because it would be very funny if it does turn out by the end of part one of this book, Ham has already died a horrible, tragic, painful death. Um, and it was, it was off screen, making it even more tragic that he got fridged as well. Um, um, definitely not Orasur. Uh, he, th- this one's a bit of a diversion. This, this particular probably won't happen, but it would be interesting. Uh, where's Jastis? Vin has started to pick up on this, but the timeline of the world doesn't really add up. Because if the deepness was a problem, or was starting to become a problem before the Lord Ruler ascended, but Kelsier has heard tales of when the sun was not red and the plants were green, then that means it's not until after the Lord Ruler ascended that the sun turned red and the plants turned brown because of something he did. It wasn't a deepness problem, it was a Lord Ruler problem. Um, I also feel like that's tied to all of the ash mounts. I just feel like those probably appeared whenever the Lord Ruler did whatever he did. I feel like the sun probably just looks red because of all the ash in the sky and there's something wrong with the atmosphere because of all the ash mounts. Whatever the Lord Ruler did to keep the deepness contained is also what led to the ash mounts popping up and a lot of other suckiness happening in the world. I don't have any new thoughts for who the imposter is. Um, kind of doubling down on my theory from before, I think Dachshund is going to be a red herring and if I had to put money on anyone, I'm just going to continue to put on ham because it, it, I, I'm just I'm manifesting it. It has to happen. First, I want to talk about uh, the deepness. Is everyone overthinking this? And are the mists just the deepness or a form of the deepness? Or at the very least, the mists are hiding the deepness and the mists are the deepness's territory. So that is my my theory is that now the Lord Ruler is dead. The mists are now dangerous specifically because they are very directly tied to the deepness and may in fact be the deepness question mark who knows i am predicting either either vin and zane or ellen and Alrion will share uh, between those two pairs one kiss will be shared ham dying is no longer a theory but it is a hope not because i want ham dead but just because i will feel justified if he dies i want to this is one of those things where I want to do a, a on the count of three thing here um, because I don't want to take points away from Caleb and I feel like we probably came to the same conclusion, although maybe not. Um, so I'll, I'll throw this out there. Uh, here, we'll, we'll give it a try. We'll take an experiment, see if it works out. 
Uh, Caleb, we're doing it live. Caleb, on the count of three, who sent the assassins? Ready? One, two, three, Penrod. Unless it's like, I don't know, maybe someone's... We haven't gotten any other descriptions of any other animals. I was thinking, like, someone else is pulling an Orisur strategy, and it's some... It could be even be an animal, but someone we've never thought to think about before. Um, but we haven't gotten any descriptions of anything like that, so I don't think it's that. Um, let's see. Uh, Set will leave Luthadel. Uh, he's either going to head back to Haverfrex, or he's going to hit Straff in one kind of final strike. Um, but I kind of feel like he might just head home. Like, this was pretty humiliating for him. In the near-ish future, Sezed is definitely going to die. He, like I said, he's been putting up all the, the red flags. Um, I have to guess that Ham dies out of principle. It's weird that we've heard so many characters confirm this, including Straff's own child. Uh, I think that what's going to happen is what Club says, what I think Ham says, what Zane says is that Straff's going to feint to withdraw, Kolos are going to attack, and then Straff's going to move in. Um, it would be weird if everyone was wrong. I, I keep going back to why is Credit Shaw important, and I think I'm going to double down on a theory that is similar to one I had in Final Empire. And it doesn't quite make sense yet. I don't know what the thing is. But I'm still guessing the powers of the Well of Ascension and perhaps the Well of Ascension itself has been moved to Credit Shaw. And there's something really important about that shack. <laughs> and then uh, I, th I just... This is like a hope. I hope Brandon is cool enough to do this. Maybe he's saving in his back pocket. I don't know. I would really like Sazed to fight a Coloss and kill it. I have a really, really good feeling that all of the writings uh, Sazed has been compiling are going to end up as epigraphs. My initial thought was that'll be an Era 2 thing. Um, but the texts are specifically about Hero of Ages, and I don't know if the Hero of Ages prophecy is going to be all that important in Era 2. And now that Sazed is putting up a bunch of death flags and is probably about to die, it would be a very bittersweet thing to have the book three epigraphs be all of Sazed's writings. Uh, Ellen's going to be a de facto king when he gets back, because uh, everybody respects him, and he's like learning more and more about what it is to be a king as he's out. So uh, he'll return a hero of sorts. Um, let me see. Uh, one day Spook will be powerful like Vin. Uh, there's way too much, I don't know, like, like Vin or just powerful, but there's way too much signaling here for that to not come true. Um, either that or he's going to become like a Syndrome-esque bad guy. Uh, I don't really, I don't really see that happening. My guess is, uh, Sazed will die. Um, A, because he has all the death flags flying, and also, um, Vin is coming from the north, and Sazed is at one of the southern gates. He's one of the furthest away from her as she's coming into the, uh, uh battle. So, if she is co coming just in the nick of time, I think she will be able to help sway the tides of battle, but she will be very far away from Sazed, and so I imagine she finds out where she is, and she's, like, sprinting and dra pewter-dragging through, uh, the battle trying to get to him, and it's too late by the time, uh, she gets there. Um, if God has any mercy on me, Ham will also die in the battle, um, but I, 
I don't have much faith in that at this point. Here, this right here is Caesar's writings. Now let's talk about Caesar's writings. Can we talk about Caesar's writings, please? Sam, I've been dying to talk about Caesar's writings with you all day, okay? Alendi's tall. This joke keeps coming up over and over and over again. Every day we're bringing up Alendi on the podcast. Alendi's tall, Alendi's tall. I look at the Instagram. This whole box is memes of Alendi being tall. So I myself, I gotta double check this thing. I gotta go up to Caesar's writings, gotta find the meme in the goddamn text. Otherwise, the internet's never gonna get it. The meme's never gonna catch on. So I go up to Caesar's writings, and what do I find out, Sam? What do I find out? There is no point where Caesar says Alendi is tall. The meme does not exist, okay? So I decided, oh shit, buddy, I gotta dig a little deeper. There's no point where Alendi is tall? You gotta be kidding me, I got boxes full of Alendi being tall. Alright, so I start marching my way down to Quan and his epigraphs, and I knock on his door and I go, Quan, Quan, I gotta talk to you about Alendi. And when I open the door, what do I find? There's not a single goddamn detail that lines up. There is no consistency in the text. Sam, half the details in Caesar's writings have been made up. This entire subplot is a goddamn ghost town. Okay, so now that I have that and I can post that on the Instagram, I'm going to actually go into detail about what I've discovered. What's going on with Quan? I, so, yeah, the, the, tall, the being tall thing, um, I flagged that. Um, I will admit, any podcast points I get from the following, I should probably get half points for, because I don't think I would have gone back to check uh, without Justin kind of nudging me by pointing out uh, the two were not the same, that one detail. Um, but uh, the rest of this, I, I, I went back and I did the work and I like took pictures of the text so I could look at them side by side. Um, so there are some details that are different between the epigraphs and Sazed's uh, writings, what he recites back when he's talking with Tintwill. Um the most notable one that we noted right off the bat is uh, the epigraph says, Here was a man who towered over others, a man who, despite his youth and his humble clothing, demanded respect. Sezed, when reciting this, says, Here was a man who was small of stature, but who seemed to tower over others, a man who demanded respect. Okay, weird detail to get wrong. After I'm done presenting all of my evidence, I still will not have an answer for why that specific detail has been changed. I don't know why a Lendi being tall would be the key to anything, but still, it's worth noting. It's strange, um, that little misconnection. Um, there's one detail that probably doesn't really matter. Um, the epigraph says uh, Quan connected all the signs of the anticipation to a Lendi, and then Sezed says, quote for quote, connected all the signs of the anticipation to him, but it's it's very clear that Quan is talking about Alendi, so I don't know why that detail was changed specifically, but it is a difference. Um, one of the epigraphs notes, if only the deepness hadn't come when it did, Sezed notes, if only the deepness hadn't come at all. Um, an interesting little note that's different. Um, in one epigraph, uh, it says, uh, Quan is afraid for the world that is to come, afraid that my plans will fail, afraid of a doom worse even than the deepness. Sezed's writings say, the world that is to come, afraid that Alendi will fail, afraid of a doom brought by the deepness. And then, in a later chapter, Sezid reads the same thing and says, the world that may come, afraid because my plans failed. So that's, that's pretty weird that that is different. That feels like a, a pretty big difference. And then, um... Justin, I don't know if you were intentionally misdirecting or if you just were not sure exactly which epigraphs we've gotten yet. Um, Sezed notes that I doubt uh, uh, Alendi would give up the power um, uh, for everyone else. We did get an epigraph saying that Quan has, I have no doubt that Alendi will give up the power for himself for the presumed greater good. 
it changes from I have no doubt that this will happen to I doubt that this will happen. At this point, I would like to draw everyone's attention to the opening line of the entire book. Let me make sure I get it word for word, because I have to make sure I'm not accidentally saying any details that are wrong. I write these words in steel. For anything not set in metal cannot be trusted. Quan wrote this, and there's a reason he started with this, because I think Quan knows there are people out there who are really good at perhaps messing with texts that have been written down, either magically or they can forge really well. Someone is really good at messing with texts that have not been carved down in stone. Which makes me think someone the entire time has been messing with Sezed's rubbings and translations. And someone was waiting for Sezed not to memorize the engraving with its copper mines, but to memorize the text after it had been doctored. And now that's the only record says it has, is a false version of what Quan wrote down. So, that seems like a big deal, huh? This is, this is a swinging for the fences. So I'm, I'm going to swing for the fences. Uh, here's my questions that I came up with that I address. Uh, why does the Miss Spirit want Ellen dead? which is kind of from the last section, but I'm answering it now. Uh, what happens when Ellen and Spook get back? Where the fuck are the Inquisitors? What's the next book going to be about? And then uh, epigraphs, the fuck. Let's go into it. Uh, so, the Misspirit wants Ellen dead because, stay tuned, when Ellen and Spook get back, everything will be better for a time. Um, Ellen will, in fact, be a de facto king, uh, which is obvious because Vin made Janarl and others swear loyalty. Uh, the Inquisitors, please hold. That's it. You'll all see. I'll, I'm leaving a silent prediction. No. Uh, alright, so epigraphs. Here's the fuck. Uh, so what do we know? Um, the epigraphs are being changed, uh, in some places significantly. Uh, the Hero of Ages fit Elendi to a T, and they're being modified now to fit Vin to a T. Uh, and they're also being modified to kind of minimize Quan's warnings about the well. Uh, saying, like, she must not reach the well, he must not, blah, blah, blah. That section was very obsequiously removed by somebody. Um, and we also know that Vin believes the well is in Luthadel, even though it's a large hole in the ground. So, uh, what's the fucking point of this bloviating nonsense at the start of every chapter? Uh, I pictured the well as a literal well, one where you drink ghosty water and become great, or whatever. Um, here's my... Here's my swing. Uh, the well didn't store allomancy. It stored a thing. A bad thing. Uh, and that thing is what's been changing the rubbings. Thus, why Elendi said that the Deepness had an intelligence in his epigraphs from the last book. Uh, Quan realized a little too late that Elendi was too good of a person. Uh, he'd be duped into this thing and giving it its way. Uh, and that's why Quan still likes Elendi, but wants him dead. Um, let's see. Uh, the Hero of Ages... Elendi was the Hero of Ages. Vin is the Hero of Ages. The Hero of Ages is just a person who's strong enough to release it, not someone who will lead the world in a kumbaya drum circle. That's its job, and it's bad at it. So, uh, where does that leave the Deepness and the Adium? 
the well wasn't moved, but what was in it was. Uh, Rashik, the Lord Ruler, um, took this thing prisoner, moved it to Luthadel, and the Adium's gone. We know that because Rashik was using the Adium. I think I predicted this like a while ago. He's using the Adium to kind of keep it suppressed, maybe to keep it asleep. Um, and the deepness returning is this thing waking up because there's no more Adium going to it. Uh, the bronze pulses are because this thing is allomantic. Uh, pulses don't lead her to the well, but to what was in it. Um, the Kolos and the Kanja are the spawn of this thing that was formerly in the well. Uh, where does that leave allomancy? How did it come out of the ascension? Um, in exchange for, quote-unquote, setting it free, Rashek obtained powers from it. Um, Rashek did not do exactly what Quan wanted. Uh, he took the power for himself by capturing the thing in the well instead of killing it or leaving it alone. Um, how is it hereditary? I don't know. I'm really hoping Rashik didn't fuck it, uh, but that might have happened. I don't know. Uh, all right, so uh, how did Quan know that the well holds this spooky thing? And how do we not know? Uh, because Quan read holy books that were extirpated by the Lord Ruler. They were destroyed. Says it, religious scholar though he may be, He's got, uh, what are, what's, what, what call it? Oral histories. He's got oral histories, but he doesn't have the stuff. He's just got what people remember of the stuff. So he's got the epigraphs, and that's it. He doesn't have the actual texts, because they were destroyed. Uh, possibly to keep people from learning about this thing. Interesting. I just realized that and didn't write it down. Uh, where are the Inquisitors? Uh, I, because they have the original unmodified epigraph and know the truth about what is or was in the well, uh, and we know that an Inquisitor, maybe not Marsh, who knows, uh, was poking around Credit Shaw. Uh, they might not know where the thing is, but they probably know it's in Credit Shaw. Uh, do they want to release it? Do they want to kill it? They were the stewards of it. So presumably they just want to make sure it won't destroy the world. Uh, why does the Miss Spirit want Elend dead? And it modified the rubbings, I'm assuming. Or possessed someone to make them do it. Given the existence of the Mist Spirit itself, I'm going with the former, that it, it did itself. Um, therefore, it wants Elend dead because Elend would tell Vin to not release it. It attacks Voices of Reason. Uh, so, uh, how did no one in the Final Empire notice, know about, or guess that the well held this creature for a thousand years? Because they had Atium. Wealth makes people turn a blind eye to obvious things. Uh, the Ska didn't even know about Alamancy, so they wouldn't have known... The, they don't know the byproduct of this thing exists, so they wouldn't know the thing exists. Um, and I believe that... Uh, the next book is going to be about defeating the thing Vin releases. So I feel like what might be what might be end game of this book is Mist Spirit starts really fucking shit up. There's that's the sense of urgency because my main question was like, what's the sense of urgency now? The armies are gone. There is the Mist Spirit, which is scary, but like urgency is no longer. I don't feel that as much because all the armies are gone. But the Mist Spirit can cause urgency by fucking shit up by wounding Elend and perhaps almost killing him that will motivate Vin to be like I gotta find the well right now the Coloss can't fix this I can't fix this on my own I gotta get something else um is going to get the power use it to defeat the mist spirit or at least uh, uh suppress it again like the Lord Ruler did 
And then that will be where she has to make the choice to keep it for herself or disperse it. And I still think she is going to disperse it because I think that is going to cause a massive, massive problem that Quan was worried about. And that will be our, our main baddie for part three. I've, I've had a lot of thoughts about the past two books and I've kind of become born again uh, in regards to a very specific aspect of the plot. Um, in the book, we, we have this theme about the church of the survivor and the heir of the survivor. And they're talking about Kelsey or they're talking about Vin. And I just... I want to share with you what my new thoughts are is that the church of the survivor is worshiping the wrong person. They really need to be worshiping the true hero of ages, our savior, the true survivor, Lord Hammond, who cannot die. And the, the last one, uh, the one that we're all wondering, um, is the one I'd spent the least amount of time thinking about. Uh, uh, Vin ain't going to stop ruin. And she is going to die, but it'll... Oh, I forgot to say Vin's going to die. We also know that the Inquisitors appear to want to serve Ruin in some way, because Marsh was like, I don't know why, but I have to make sure Vin takes up the power for herself, or does not take up the power for herself. She takes the power and then distributes it, um, so I can't let Seizet stop her from doing that. Um, so, and that would also explain, like, why why are the Inquisitors even doing stuff if the Lord Ruler is dead? Maybe they were never actually really serving the Lord Ruler, um, or in some regard, uh, they kind of have been serving two masters all along. Um, so the question is, why would all those things be in common? Um, the Inquisitors have a bunch of spikes in them. Zane also had a spike in him. So it seems like if you have spikes in you, you might hear the voice of Ruin and feel compelled to do what he wants. I find myself in the same position as Straff Venture. And in almost all cases, I never want to be in that sort of position. But the specific position, the specific position I'm talking about is, I am not sure if it is the scent of victory I smell on the horizon, or if I am simply smelling my own copium over and over. But I find myself once more wanting to talk about Quan again. No. Because here's the thing. The thing about the prophecy is I don't think Ruin just created the prophecy. I think it came from somewhere. And the title of the book is The Hero of Ages. So it's got to come from somewhere. So I find myself wondering, what do we actually know about the Hero of Ages prophecy? Well, we can't trust a lot of things. We can't trust a lot of things that were written down. But what we can, hopefully, trust is what Quan has to say about them. So I once more again, went through every single Well of Ascension epigraph and wrote down every single thing I could find about the Hero of Ages prophecy. It could be none of this matters, but I did it. And I went back and I wrote it all down. Um, so here's what we, here's w w what Quan saw in Elendi as like, this is what seems to be um, the, uh, 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 why Elendi fits what the Hero of Ages should be. Hero of Ages is probably tall. We don't know. That's it seemed that was the first thing that Elendi found out. It's probably tall. So, born of a humble family, yet married the daughter of a king. Um, 
trade words with the finest philosophers and had an impressive memory, but was not argumentative. The terrorists rejected him, though he came to lead them. He commanded kings, though he sought no empire. He fathered no children, yet all the land became his progeny. Always claimed he was no warrior, yet he came to fight as well as any man. A force of leadership that fate itself seemed to support. He left ruin in his wake. That was interesting. It's not capitalized, but it does say uh, he left ruin in his wake, which I just thought was, was uh, a fun little detail. Um, created kingdoms and destroyed them as he made the world anew. He had a birthmark on his arm. His hair turned gray at 25. The way he spoke, the way he treated people, the way he ruled. Now, looking over all of that, a couple of them seem to fit with Elend in terms of talks with philosophers and can talk with, with people. He's not super argumentative. Um, commanding kings, uh, claimed he was no warrior. We actually get in the uh, uh, in this chapter... Um, Elend was never meant to, he was, he was not born a warrior. Um, so it does seem like point, things are sort of pointed in Elend's direction. And I do think, again, the storyline will revolve around other people starting to think Elend is the Hero of Ages. I think that's going to be an actual plot point. But I don't think Elend is the Hero of Ages. There is one person that I think a lot of those descriptions describe a little bit better. And once more, it could just be Copium. Sazed does fit quite a few of those descriptions. So my big uh, Grand Slam called shot is I think Sazed might be our Hero of Ages. Looking over things just a little bit more, um, Sazed is tall, um, towers over others. I don't know if that's the case, but I do believe he's been uh, referred to as tall a couple of times. Um, born of a humble family probably true we don't know much about Sazed's family we just know about the terrorist people in general um married the daughter of a king not great doesn't quite fit with what we know about Sazed. um i did have the thought of that could end up being some much ado about nothing nonsense of he doesn't get married to the daughter of a king or the child of a king because again the gender is is iffy in the old text he technically marries the daughter or the son of a king to someone else, he performs the act of marriage. Um, so technically, you could say that he fulfills that aspect of it. Um, trades words with the finest of philosophers, had an impressive memory, was not argumentative. All fits with Sazed. One very important one, the terrorists rejected him, though he came to lead them. He's not leading them yet, but oh boy, it's been repeated several times. The terrorists really don't like Sazed that much. Um, and then we get into some more abstracted territory. He commanded kings, though he saw no empire. He always claimed he was no warrior, and he came to fight as well as any man. Um, created kingdoms and destroyed them. Now, Ellen is off taking over things town by town, helping people fight. But sure seems like Sazed is pulling a lot of weight by being the chief ambassador. And in a way, you could say he is destroying kingdoms by taking them over for the empire. He, he is the one commanding kings. That all seems to fit as well. We also know Sazed sure isn't going to be fathering any children, um, so that definitely fits. Um, I actually looked back all the way in Final Empire to see what hair Sazed's, uh, what what color Sazed's hair is, and I don't know if we ever get that official description. I don't know if his hair is white. I didn't. I, I don't think that's ever been confirmed or said at all. I don't know if he has a birthmark on his arm. Looking over everything. Um, Justin and Beth, as baseball fans, you can let me know. I understand when batters are early in their career, the numbers could get messed with. Um, but a 4-1-1 batting average is pretty damn good, am I right? Numerically, I get that the prophecy is every single thing is supposed to be fulfilled. But numerically, at this point in the book, Sazed is fulfilling about 
0.411%, uh, no, 41.1%, that would be way less, it was 0.411%. About 41% of all of the details we know about Quan's version of the Hero of Ages prophecy, and a lot of these he has the potential to fulfill through the rest of this book. So, yeah, I think we might be hearing about Sazed when we're reading these epigraphs, and looking back... Uh, to that chapter three uh, epigraph once more. There is a very specific detail about how it's written. In some ways, having such power was too overwhelming. Comma, I think. Isn't that an interesting verbal tick to be speaking about? Man, we, you know, going back to the baseball metaphor here, we've just been swinging harder and harder earlier and earlier in the game. Again, I did not expect to be going to this level of insanity in episode one, but here we are. All right, so what do we know about the epigraph person? Uh, he or she worked as part of a group, and he or she, uh, meta aspect here, is asking big questions. Um, this person is pondering the religious implications of Rashik's rule, and they're pondering the nature of the world itself. So, who is it? It's a member of the crew, um, and I'm really getting the feeling points to Caleb here. If if uh, I'll give points to Caleb ahead of time, but I think this could be Sazed. Justin, I see what you're doing here. I understand that you want to instill doubts in the true believers out there. Um, I don't have a lot of new evidence this time around as to why the epigraph writer is Sazed. Um, aside from what Sam pointed out of him being focused on religion and how the Lord who presented himself as a, a religious figure. But I did go back again to some of the old uh, lore that we've gotten. Um, and now this time I'm drawing from information that was not forged in steel. This is from writings that Tindwell found. So it's a little less trustworthy, but I still think it's interesting to point out um, that we do get a little thing about the Hero of Ages prophecy saying that the Hero of Ages shall not be a man, but a force. No nation may claim him, no woman shall keep him, and no king may slay him. He shall belong to none, not even himself. Now, we noted at the time that it was dehumanizing and uncomfortable that Sazed said this about himself, but Sazed has gone on record saying, I'm not really a man. I don't consider myself a man. Um, so Hero of Ages shall not be a man. That sort of checks out. Um, no woman shall keep him. The one woman who might have sure isn't keeping him now. Um, and uh, the the rest of it, I feel like kind of a line. Look, I'm salty about Tindwell dying and I have to cope with it by joking about it. That's how it goes. Um, so um, that checks out. And then we also get, he shall defend their ways, yet shall violate them. Again, kind of aligning with Sazed as being a terrorist who sort of keeps to their ways, but also is a bit of a rebel. Um, he will be their savior, that they shall call him heretic. He certainly has been called something akin to heretic by the terrorist people. Um, and his name shall be Discord, yet they shall love him for it. Discord is capitalized. And if Sazed is the epigraph writer, he essentially is uh, fulfilling the function of a uh, chat room. So him being Discord also checks out. I'm going insane. I've covered this. And let's see. Uh, I'll, I'll toss one in. I'll toss one in off the top of the dome here. Bedrick City does not have the Atium. The interesting thing is that Reen came back, and for a while, Reen was speaking like Reen always has, of just being this voice of anxiety and don't trust anyone, don't be like that. Um, and um, so there's all of that. 
And then there's one strange moment where everyone's kind of talking about the caches, and then Reen whispers, the Adium. And Vin goes, yes, the Adium! That's what I wanted to talk about. Which is not really how Reen usually operates. He doesn't usually, like, contribute to the plan. Um, which is kind of weird. It's a little weird that Reen spoke up about that. Um, so, I'm a little bit nervous that that might not be Reen. We've certainly met one other being that can just speak voices in your head. Um, and I think Ruin might be pulling a couple strings that we didn't even know about. I'll, I'll truncate my shitpost. Uh, 16%. That's 4 of 25. We already went over that. 25 is a number that is 1 more than 24, and 4 is 1 more than 3. 24 is the number of hours in a day. Skadriel is Earth except where otherwise noted. So they probably have a 24-hour day. And as we all know, as we all know, 3 is a magic number. Yes, it is. It's a magic number. <laughs> that means that every 25 hours... That's right. Every 25 hours, the mists get worse, and every 4 hours, the ash gets worse. Like clockwork. In short, I have no fucking clue. Uh, in regards to Ghost Kelsier, um, I did have the thought that there was a... Uh, it was a Chandra again, because we don't really know what happened to Kelsier's bones. They just kind of... Vin said, get rid of those, and then they just disappeared. Um, but that seems a little unlikely to me. Um, I also think it is kind of a supernatural tricky at work, but uh, I... One, I don't think the uh, Preservation of Ruin are necessarily one and the same. I think they're... Two sides of a coin, metaphorically, but not, like, literally the same thing. Um, and, yeah, I don't think this is preservation or the mist speaking. I think that this is a form of ruin that has come to whisper sweet nothings into Spook's ear. I figured out why Spook can use pewter. Um, it's a little... I got a little embarrassed with myself because I definitely had all the clues I needed last time, but they lined up a little more specifically this time. Um, because of the chapter where he is examining his sword wound. Um, as, as has been pointed out, um, sure is kind of spike-like that there is a sword inside of him that perhaps is hemallergic-esque. Um, but going back to my theory of how hemallergy works, that's not just a random sword he got stabbed with. That sword definitely got stabbed through someone who could use pewter and then got stabbed into spook. Um, so... I feel like my thoughts on hemolurgy, if you spike through a person and then into another person, the second person can get the powers of the first person. I feel like that holds pretty true because that's exactly what just happened to Spook, is he got the power of pewter after being stabbed with a sword that had stabbed a pewter user. Spook is infected by ruin. Uh, we've learned that hemolurgy is of ruin, so therefore, thusly, he was actively stabbed hemolurgically. Um... This is what scholars would commonly refer to as probably a bad thing. It was not done while he was passed out. It was actually a sword that actually broke off in him. In other news, Erto needs to fire its blacksmith. <laughs> and he's he's also going to turn eventually to the dark side, which makes me sad. Um, because Kelsier is ruin. Uh, it'd be very strange if it is actually Kelsier. I guess we'll see. I've been focusing on that earring for the whole series, and it hasn't come into play yet. Vin's one little earring... But now I know, it was mentioned, Justin, you mentioned, like, what constitutes a spike and what the conversation around that will be. Is the earring going to be, like, tied to hemolurgy now? I don't know. Is there a chance that, like, it got, 
it was it already had some sort of power in it when it was given to Vin. I don't know. Um, but what's the deal with the earring? The earring's got to come back. It has to, right? Just because there's no clues as to one way or the other yet, I'm just going to have fun and say it was Telden. Why not? This is not the first time within this book that one of our main characters has been trapped in a building and then all of a sudden, what? That person I thought was dead is here? That's weird. So is there a chance that Reen is in fact another iteration of Ruin pretending to be somebody? So in this section, we have Vin looking at... um, uh, looking at the mists and being like they're acting weird. She's like, why didn't they let me draw on them? And she has the thought, is there some kind of blockage with me that's not letting me access them anymore? And that was the moment where I was like, oh my god. Oh my god, I think I've got it. And then later in the the section um, we have uh, Marsh thinking about like, you know, it's nice for hemallergy. Like, it's nice and artistic if, you know, we get these big old spikes and you spike them in right the right place. But Really, it doesn't really matter how big the spike is. Um, And that, for me, was pretty much just confirmation of... I knew it was going to be important. I thought it was going to be important in a good way. I think it's going to be important in a bad way from here on out. Oh my god, is it the fucking earring that's holding her back? Is that what this is? It's been there the whole time. I've been pointing to it, and I haven't put the dots together until now. But, holy shit, it's a spike. It's spiking through her body at all times. And then I went back to double-check the books to make sure I wasn't imagining things, and there's two big things. At the end of Well of Ascension, she gets into the Well of Ascension juice, and the first thing that happens is her earlobe starts to hurt super, super badly, and she has to take her earring out. Because preservation doesn't like those spikes. And then lastly, I needed to double-check this, and it was way subtler than I thought it was. But, because I had to, like, reread the section a couple of times to make sure I wasn't imagining it. But, like, two pages before Vin draws on the mists, what happened? Lord Ruler uh, did an allomantic pulse that blew Vin's earring off. I think it'd be cool if Beldry is an allomancer. Um, I think if Quillian is an allomancer, I, it would make sense if, you know, if they're uh, brother-sister that they, they have the same bloodline, so that would make sense. I think it also could be true, and maybe even more interesting, if Quellian is not an allomancer. The only evidence we have of that is someone was messing with the metals during the fight in the city streets. Um... And Spook noted that Quellian seemed to be bracing against Beldry, and he just assumed, well, that means Quellian is the one that's messing with the swords. Um, could be interesting if it was actually Quellian was holding Beldry in place or something like that. You know, it could all be just kind of misleading to lead Vin along, but I wonder if, I still wonder if Ruin is really trying to get that adium. Um, and maybe in the same way that Mist is the body of the Mist Spirit. Maybe Adium kind of is the body of Ruin in a weird way. I mean, it's like a weird god creature thing. So to say that as a conventional, like, normal flesh body, I feel like is... That should not be our first assumption. So the way that our toe ends is very similar to the ending of a popular video game called Tony Hawk's Underground 2. Skatopia, baby! Right? So, um... In, in that video game, it ends with Skatopia. They go to this, this great place in probably the Pacific Northwest. You get to meet Bigfoot. He he rides a skateboard with a chainsaw attached. Why not? You can manual uphill. Why not? Uh, and then Eric Sparrow, that fucker. Uh, fuck Eric fuck Sparrow. Fuck Eric Sparrow. Uh, what a what fucker. A fucker. 
Um, Phylon is Eric Sparrow. Uh, <laughs> if you, uh, or what he does is he lights off fireworks, and then it just burns down the whole kit and caboodle, and you have to escape. Um, so, uh, it inspired me in another way. Um, right now, uh, Caleb has just danced rings around me in the prediction section lately. He's just been home run after home run, <laughs> three-pointer after three-pointer. Um, because of this, he's probably way ahead in points. Um, but in the popular video game, 20 Ox Underground 2, they spin a wheel to determine the next challenge. And that's what that was for, is you're trying to get your podcast <laughs> points by doing the equalizer? Yes. In New Orleans, Bam Margera spins the wheel, has a drunk guy spit and hit the wheel to pick the thing, and it lands on the equalizer, which is a crazy skate line that's really difficult to do. Thus, the equalizer, a combo line that's such a long shot that hitting it will give me 4.5 trillion podcast points. So one one point that I think we've diverged on, I I would say correct me if I'm wrong, but if you correct me, then I'm gonna then the whole thing is gonna fall like a house of cards. So I'm just gonna say it. Uh, I think Vin dies. Uh, we said that, and everybody explosively freaked out at the beginning. I still think Vin dies. Uh, so um, I think Vin dies, and I think she dies before the end of the book. Uh, here's the, here's my solving the puzzle. Donald fucking duck. Uh, Ellen comes to Fadrick City. Things come to a calamitous end. Both sides seem committed to things ending that way. Uh, I think it'll conclude with Yeoman dead, Vin rescued, Ellen questioning his goodness, continuing to, and Kolos running roughshod through the streets. Uh, we'll probably say goodbye to human in an initial assault, because I think he's kind of run his course. He showed us what Kolos are. Um, great. <laughs> you know what they are. Uh, Vin and Elland are going to then head somewhere to fight Ruin Mano a Mano, possibly the location of his body, which I think is in an ash mount. Um, Ruin keeps pointing north, not Ruin, fucking preservation. Mist Spirit Boy pointed northeast, which is Calling, maybe? Where's the compass rose? I don't know. I think, anyway, it's a, it's a, it's an ash mount. It's in an ash mount. Um, at roughly the same time, the rest of the crew is going to figure out where the body is, too. Possibly because Ten Soon, this is what he has to impart, is he knows where the body is. There's something he knows that he needs to tell Vin that he hasn't told anybody. Maybe it's where Ruin's body is. He's looking for his body. Uh, I would say that um, the people who get to the body, which I think will at least be Vin, Elland, and Sazed, We'll get there at around the same time as everybody's favorite inky boy, Marsh. Um, I think Marsh, Vin, and Ellen are going to fight. I think at that point, Marsh is going to kill Vin. Um, and I think that's going to snap him out of his reverie long enough to kill himself. Uh, meanwhile, Sazed will witness all of this and realize that he has to become the hero of ages, possibly by taking Ruin's body which is thus the I am unfortunately. Um, unfortunate because his friend just died, and he thought Vin was going to be the hero of ages. But she's dead, so he has to be it. Um, so, uh, let's see. Uh, Seiza does something to banish Ruin, 
possibly just destroy Ruin's body after using it to reverse the fucking of the world he caused. Um, I think this will also open Seizet's eyes to the importance of religion, because what is religion but a set of instructions for how to run a society? Um, he'll he'll kind of use the tenets of the religions that he pulls together, just all the little bits, Larsenism, you know, whatever, pull it all in. Um, because all of it in a patchwork creates kind of a utopian vision of the world. Bam. Spark the conclusion. The world didn't end, but gosh, did it ever come close. Many people died in horrifying ways, and yet the terrorist people are just fine somehow. So, uh, to recap what just happened, uh, we're at about the 15th hole. You know, it's it, whatever. It's like a five iron to the to the green, five iron. I pulled out a fucking driver, okay? I'm going for the 18th hole. If I get if I get the 18th in three strokes, then that's 15, 16, 17, and 18 in a total of three strokes. Okay, that's how golf works. Because I was talking last episode about how Hathson has to be important. It seems like it's thematically important. And my guess was that's where uh, the body is being hidden. And then I was like, oh, no, it's not that. It's actually the homeland. But then I remembered sometimes a thing can be two things. Um, so I still don't know if Adium is Ruin's body or if it's just important for a different reason. I think there's so little book left that it's pr probably going to have to start converging important things together. So I, I think I am going to kind of stick with my theory that Atium in some form forms Ruin's body. I don't know why or how that works, but that's just kind of my guess. And then I do also remember most of the time, Justin, when you throw uh, theory making to me and Sam, you just kind of let us go at it. But there is one important time where you asked do you guys have any ideas what the trust is? I feel like the trust might in fact be Ruin's body and or the Atium Cache. Um, I went back to look. It's in the Trust Warren. Um, it is covered by a massive steel disc, and we know Ruin doesn't like steel. Um, so I feel like, especially with the way Condra talk and the idea of we have this this contract, we have the blessings, the idea of calling something the trust, and what that refers to is something that the Lord Ruler has entrusted us to protect. Um, I feel like it all adds up that it's the, the showdown's still going to happen in Hathson because that's where um, Ruin's body and or the Atium actually secretly is. So that's what I've got. And now, welcome to Sam Got It Wrong, the rant. <laughs> Every non-telegraph prediction I've made in this series has been incorrect, without exception. Straff attacked the assembly, not Penrod. Mists are a good thing, apparently, even though they killed almost all the crops through lack of sunlight. Ruin cannot read your thoughts if you're spiked. My equalizer is up in flames, to say the least, because Vin killed Marsh, not the other way around, and is now apparently some sort of unkillable demigod. The gunpowder had no payoff at all, was mentioned apparently for no reason... All my deaths were wrong. My only correct guess of a major plot point was Rashik being the Lord Ruler, and I took it back an episode later. <laughs> I hope... So I'm frustrated. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying it, listener. God damn.
And the book is going to end with a flower growing similar to the one in Mare's picture, and the plants will be green again. And most importantly to all of this, the key to all of it, to the entire trilogy, Ham will survive as he was always meant to. But I did write a, a, a review of my equalizer. <laughs> I went through beat by beat, um, and uh, I su summarized it as follows. Uh, we said that... Uh, I, I was aiming for the 18th hole from the 15th uh, uh, tee, and um, I believe that ball hit the green and had backspin sufficient to create a new hole. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a hole in one by making a new hole. Bam. Uh, anyway, uh, just blow by blow here, I'll, I'll ramble through it. Uh, Ellen comes to Fadrick City, and things come to a calamitous end. Not very true. Concluding with Yeoman dead, he is not. Vin rescued, she was not. Ellen questioning his goodness. This is apparently no longer on the menu after a certain point. Um, Kolos running roughshod through the streets. Kinda. Not in any great amount. Uh, we'll say goodbye to human in the initial assault in a big sad moment. Nope. Uh... No sadness for human. Uh, Vin and Ellen head somewhere to fight Ruin, mano a mano. Kinda true. Possibly the location of his body. In the end, that was true. Which is in an ash mount. Not correct. Uh, at roughly the same time. So there you have it. That was uh, quite a selection, especially in the end of Well of Ascension, beginning of Hero of Ages era. Uh, Beth and I, during these recording sessions, have a, a chat that we maintain, and there was definitely some excitement there. So uh, heading on now, having fully wrapped up the Mistborn Era 1 trilogy, uh, we are going to be heading onwards into Elantris. Uh, that will be picking up in two weeks. We'll have one more week off, and then we'll start with our, our next book. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting back into the uh, the swing of the, the regular episodes. We've already started recording those, and they are already a lot of fun. Uh, in the meantime, you can find this episode and all those past and future when they're out on alwaysanotherpodcast.com, as well as emailing us at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. Let us know if there are any predictions that really, uh, that really caught your eye when our, our first-time readers made them. Other than that, you can also find us on Twitter at alwaysanotherpod, and on Instagram at alwaysanotherpod. Uh, so without further ado, we are going to sign off here for Mistborn uh, and see you again for Elantris. And if you're waiting for a goofy outro, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give you one.